When I was growing up back in Ann Arbor, Michigan, my pastor would always start off his Holy Family Feast Day homily with the same joke. And every year, we would all laugh at it as if we'd never heard it before. And I don't know, I just feel like, you know, my, he's my spiritual father and I should just carry on this tradition. So here's the joke. So... You know, the Holy Family, you have two people who are sinless in the family, and then, you know, if anything were ever to go wrong, Joseph would always be like, well, it must be me. It'll be funnier next year. <laughs> so let's, let's start by just set, situating ourselves, because the readings through Christmas kind of jump around back and forth. So you have Jesus born in Bethlehem, then the angels go and show up to the shepherds. Then the shepherds come to Bethlehem and see the baby. Then 40 days or so later, you get this scene. 40 days they go and present themselves in the temple. The wise men don't come until later. That's based on this line here that says they offered the, the sacrifice of the two turtle doves. That was the poor man's sacrifice. It would be kind of unthinkable if they had just received a boatload of gold from these wise men uh, that they would just be offering the poor man's sacrifice. So after this, they uh, must have returned to, to Bethlehem. Then the wise men come. Uh, they present their gifts. They go back by a different route. We don't, we don't know. Somewhere in between 40 days and two years because that was the date that Herod's like, okay, well, let's just kill all the two-year-old boys and under. And then Mary and Joseph and Jesus go to Egypt. We don't know how long they were in Egypt either. They could have been there for several years. They could have been there for like, you know, a few days. Just that's based on when King Herod died and the history on that, like, well, it could have been somewhere around here. So, uh, but they went to Egypt, they come back uh, to Nazareth and you know, even though we, you know, we can, we can joke and say, oh, you know, Joseph was the only, the only sinner in the family and he was a saint. And so, you know, uh, golly, the feast of the Holy Family is just this great opportunity to remember how unholy my family is. But I think that if we, if we look a little bit closer and say, okay, so the next time we see Jesus in, in Nazareth as an adult, nobody's that impressed with him. And he preaches in the synagogue and they're like, yeah, okay. So, isn't that, isn't that Joseph's kid? Isn't that Mary's son? You know, the carpenter family? That's, that's all they know. So that means for this whole time that he's growing up in Nazareth, there is nothing impressive about the Holy Family. There's nothing that made, made them the talk of the town, like, whoa, did you hear what's going on over at Jesus, Joseph, and Mary's house again this year? You know, there's like, you know, there's miracles all over. There's nothing. There's nothing. People didn't recognize that there was anything special. Now, maybe if they would have like stopped and paused a little bit and they probably could have said, yeah, well, you know, Joseph, he doesn't swear. And I never see him getting drunk. You know, and Mary, you know, she's, she's not gossiping with the other ladies. And, and Jesus, and he's a really respectful, obedient young boy. But apart from that, they were just completely ordinary. That should actually give us some hope and consolation on the feast day of the Holy Family because what we're called to do in the opening prayer is to imitate the virtues of family life. Okay, well, apparently this isn't extraordinary. This is just normal. So what are those virtues of ordinary family life? 
Well, I think knowing what we know about Jesus and knowing what we know about saints, we can boil it down to three uh, characteristic virtues that we can imitate. One would be humility. You know, Jesus humbles himself becoming a man. And then we see that each member of the Holy Family is humbling themselves to one another. St. Paul says in the letter to the Philippians, humility, humble yourself, uh, consider all others better, more important than yourself. Well, there's a, there's a, in a certain respect, we can do this with anybody. This doesn't, mean that, this doesn't mean that you have to be more important than them in every respect. Obviously, Jesus is more important than Mary and Joseph, but not in all respects because Mary is still mother and Joseph is still father. And they, they are more important than Jesus in that respect, to the respect of his humanity and his human relationship with them. And so if each of the members of the, of the family are deferring to one another out of reverence for Christ and uh, submitting themselves out of humility, lowering themselves to the other, imagine the atmosphere. How, how beautiful would that be if we were all doing that same thing? No, I, I want to I reverence the, my, 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 my bride, my children, I want to reverence my husband. You know, this, this, becomes, uh, this becomes a beautiful atmosphere. The second virtue that flows out from that, and it has to flow out from that, is obedience. And, and we see here too, we see Joseph setting the standard of obedience as the head of the household. He receives a, a, an edict from the emperor, says, okay, we got to go down to Bethlehem. He receives a vision from an angel and says, ah, we got to go to Egypt. He doesn't say, well, hey, angel, how about we go over to, you know, like, you know, Haifa or something. That's a lot shorter of a trip and Herod's probably not going to find us. And no, he's like, all right, we're going to Egypt. It's going to be a several week trip. We're, we're going to go, oh, now we're going, going to Nazareth. He sets the standard of obedience. Then, you know, we can kind of get bent out of shape from that line that we heard in the second reading, you know, wives, submit yourself to your husband. But Mary's submitting herself, putting herself under the mission of her husband Joseph's not even conceived without original sin. He's a sinner. And she does that. What, what, can, what, what are we able to do, especially when we're, we're submitting to ourselves to somebody who's humbly considering us better than them? I mean, this is a total game changer. And if, if, that, if that isn't enough, Jesus, the God-man, he submits himself and puts himself under obedience to his parents. He's God. He puts himself under obedience to his parents. Now, note that this is not something that we demand of others, but that we willingly do. We willingly submit ourselves to obedience. And then when we have that order, uh, that right order in, in the family life, well, now we, can, now we can function as a cohesive unit. And then flowing from there is this, this desire to serve one another. And everybody serving one another in the way that's proper for them to serve, in the, in the way that they're gifted to serve, in the way the others deserve to be served. I think the opposite of these virtues of, of humility, obedience, and service, I think the opposite would be like pride, selfishness, and entitlement. You know, like you come home from, from work and like, I'm entitled just to watch TV and I shouldn't have to do anything else. I'm entitled to sleep in as long as I want on Saturday morning. I'm entitled to, you know, eat whatever I want or cook whatever I want. There's this entitlement attitude. It goes, it goes 
directly contrary to these virtues. And we can see how as soon as that enters into the picture, man, family life just got, just got tough. You, you could, you, you, I think one of the, we heard this in the reading and we heard it in the prayer, but it's this phrase, the bond of charity. I think that's such a beautiful, beautiful image, this, this thing that binds us together, this love that binds us together. And that's, that's the virtue of family life is you're stuck with these people. You know, you didn't choose any of these people. With the exception of spouses, once, a, once upon a time, a long time ago, you committed yourself to being stuck with one another. The rest of you just got born into this family and you can't do anything about that. But that's actually so necessary to be stuck with people that you wouldn't choose. Because imagine, imagine the opposite. If I could just choose who I wanted to be with in family whenever I wanted, you know, so like, well, I go over to Billy's house for breakfast because they get lucky charms. And I go over to Tommy's house in the evenings because they get to watch TV, whatever channel they want for as long as they want. And I go over to Steve's on Saturday because they don't have to do chores at their house. And then I go, you know, like, well, that's, there's no, there's no family life. There's, no, there's nothing to make me grow. There's no, nothing to force me to be humble, to be a servant, to be obedient if I just get to do whatever I want whenever I want. So that's, the, that's a, the great blessing of being stuck. This is one of the reasons why I'm in the Companions of Christ priestly fraternity. I live with brothers that I wouldn't have chosen to live with. You know, they're, they're not, we're not like just naturally best friends, but we've chosen you know what, we're going we're gonna to do this, we're going to do this together, and I'm stuck with them. That's good for me. It's really good for them. <laughs> but, but we need that. And I know like our, you know, our families are all in different places, right? Some of your, your kids have moved out. Some of your kids are very young. Some of you, it's, maybe it's just you. And for that, the Lord has actually given us another family, and that's our parish family. And imagine that those same virtues bringing those to our, our parish family, humility, obedience, service. How am, I, how am I putting other people's needs ahead of my own? How am I considering other people more important than myself? How am I putting myself under obedience to what the parish is doing, the programs of the parish and the life of the parish? And how am I finding places to serve and use my gifts for the good of all? The same, the same thing is true, that, that entitlement, if I have that attitude of entitlement and we're just here because, well, this is the most convenient mass time and I didn't want to go anywhere else, then, but, I, but I go over to this church for this thing and I go over to this church for this thing and I go over to there for that thing and yeah, I don't really like the, the music here or this and so I'm hopping around and I don't have any place that I'm stuck. I don't have people that I'm stuck with. I don't have a pastor that I'm stuck with uh, and I can, just, I can just go wherever I want well, now it's just about me and I don't have anything to force me to grow. I don't have anything to force me to be humble, to be obedient, to be a servant. And I, it turns into this, this transactional sort of relationship with our parish. Uh, that's, that's not helpful. So I think that's the, the great virtue of, of being stuck with, with people in a particular parish and saying, okay, I don't, I don't prefer that, but I'm gonna enter into that because that's my... Uh, that's my ticket to holiness. So I think w w whatever, whether it's our parish family, our, our actual family, um, this is our opportunity to grow in, in virtue, to grow in holiness, which at the end of the day looks very ordinary. 
There's, there's nothing glamorous about it. A, a, a parish family with a bunch of humble, obedient servants, you know, probably people aren't even going to know anything about it. But probably if they came and experienced it, they might say, wow, there's something about those people. There's something different there. There's something that uh, it draws, me, draws me back into that, that place. So I think if we, if we boil it all down and we look at Mary and Joseph in a particular way and say, well, what do they show us how to be a parents in, a, in, a, in, in particular well, they show us how to be radically in love with the Christ child, to be radically in love with Jesus. And so to you parents and, and grandparents and soon-to-be parents, uh, that's, that's the main, it's your main job. Your main job is to show your kids, teach your kids how to be in relationship with Jesus, how to fall in love with Jesus. Because that's not something that they can, they can learn from, you know, they're not gonna learn it at school and they're not gonna learn it, you know, at, at football practice. They're not, they're not even gonna learn it at, at CCD class. They're gonna learn it from you. They're gonna learn it in the home. That's where Jesus becomes real for our children. That's where Jesus becomes real for our families. And if we had a parish made up of a bunch of holy families, that's what makes our parish holy. That's what makes our parish uh, a, a parish on mission. So let's ask the, the intercession of the holy family today. They're not just sitting up there and their, their thumbs up in the heaven twiddling their thumbs saying, well, you should be more like us. They're pouring out graces. They're pouring out graces so that we can be more like them so that we can put Jesus right in the center of our hearts, right in the center of our, of our parish, right in the center of our families. So we ask in a special way for the intercession of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph that they may help us to be a holy family.